Have you ever wondered how a company is able to offer unlimited time off or be a pet-friendly office? Curious how HR leaders manage the well-being of remote or essential workforces? If so, you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Andrea Heron, Head of People for WebMD Health Services, and I'd like to welcome you to the HR Scoop. On this podcast, I talk with other HR leaders to explore the world of unique employee benefits and about the challenges of managing unique workforces, because well-being isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. On part one of this special two-part episode, I talk with Mitch Martins, Senior Wellness Manager at North Arizona Healthcare. We dive into employee benefits in the world of health systems, the importance of adapting, and helping employees to be better, not bitter. Welcome everyone to another episode of the HR Scoop. I am so pleased today to be chatting with Mitch Martin, the Senior Wellness Manager at Northern Arizona Healthcare. Welcome, Mitch. Woo woo. That's <laughs> good to be here. Yes, we are so happy to have you and your energy here today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and get into all all the things about, you know, something that a lot of people may not know much about, which is going to be health systems and health plans and kind of your side of, of the um, benefits arena. So I'm really excited to hear your perspective today. Oh, thank you. I, I hope it's, I, I think it'll, I hope it'll be different or unique. And yeah, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so I guess just to get us started and, and ground a little bit, we'd love to hear just about you and your career journey and how you got to Northern Arizona Healthcare. Yeah, it's uh, uh I'm accused of being long-winded, so you know I'm I'm, I'm outing <laughs> myself right now. So I'm going to depend on you to keep me short and succinct. You know, right. but the short version is I'm trained as a therapist, as a psychotherapist, and quickly learned or decided that doing your traditional private practice one-to-one type of work was not going to be my passion or my, my you know, I, I think I needed more collegial stimulation. And so I, for whatever reason, had always worked in healthcare, you know, even when I was doing internships and that kind of led my path. I had worked at one hospital for seven years, specifically in the world of psychiatry. And then an organization called Cedars-Sinai, which is a health system in Los Angeles, uh, recruited me to come to their organization and do a couple of different things that really carved this, um, I'll call it wellness path that I have been on for the last couple of decades. Um, the first thing that I did was we really wanted to engage um, our employees better. Uh, we, we were finding on many levels, and I think probably hopefully the audience understands that term engagement. And so I won't go into a lot of definitions about what engagement is, but it was struggling at that organization. And so we designed and I led a team of individuals that did this two-day experience that really connected with the employee basically where they wanted to be connected. And it's a philosophy that I've carried on because as we, as, as that program just started spreading throughout the culture, then there was this con- conclusion of, oh, we actually don't have a formal wellness program here at this organization. Hey, Mitch, since you did this one thing, could you now do this, <laughs> build us a wellness program? And so that's what I did for that organization. And then about a year and a half ago, I started noticing a trend of questions that employees were asking me, or a, a common themed question that employees were asking me. And that question was, Mitch, this organization is 25,000 people, and your job is to take care of the health and well-being of everyone there. 
who takes care of your health and well-being? Ah, and it was what a really good interesting. You know, the therapist in me couldn't help but kind of look at that and say, wow, I'm noticing this question is coming at me more often than usual. What's that about? And I had to be honest and say, ooh, maybe I'm preaching more than practicing wellness. And so I made a decision. I, I, I didn't tell the audience that originally I was born and raised in Nebraska. And so I have those Midwest roots. And I only went to California for grad school and then my career took off. So I made a conscious decision a while back to start exploring what made, what made Mitch happy. And I had to be honest, LA wasn't making Mitch very happy, you know, and there's a lot of great things about LA, but I think I'm too simple, too laid back, too whatever, that it was time for me to be open to other opportunities. And so, you know, ironically, right before COVID, I got this job opportunity at Northern Arizona Healthcare and I took a leap of faith. And so I've now been with this organization a little over a year. Wow. That's a great story. And, you know, there's so much truth in that that probably translates to a lot of our listeners and certainly resonates with me about HR people and people in the benefits and wellness community sometimes being the worst at self-care. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I, and, I, and I'm going to expand on that if I can and jump sure. on that. You know, one, one of my specialties or one of the, because I've always worked in healthcare, I think I bring a little bit unique perspective into those individuals who work in healthcare because probably similar to HR, um, I, I'm just going to be very blunt. We suck at taking care of ourselves because, because because not because we don't have the intellectual knowledge, it's because our passion, our purpose, our why we get out of bed is because we love taking care of patients. We love taking care of our colleagues. We love taking care of our community, our pets, our environment, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of that long list is oh yeah, if I still have some energy, then I'll take care of me. <laughs> but usually we're so darn exhausted that there's no room for taking care of us. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing is you have to have energy left at the end of the day. And a lot of us don't because we freely want to give and check in on other people. And it fills you up to a certain degree to do that. Yes. But yet you still have to walk away, which sometimes is hard because you don't want to abandon or feel like you're not, you know, doing everything you can to support other people. But it's the whole oxygen mask on yourself first idea. So true. Yeah, it's also interesting to me that you're a, a trained psychotherapist. My background is in industrial organizational psychology, and I think the psychology function is just uh, it's just the best match to the HR and wellness community because there is so much overlap between those skill sets and that compassion of why people do what they do and holding empathy for that. Right. Yeah. It, it's really, I mean, and that's what I love about working in healthcare. Um, and I, and I would think that probably the people that the HR leaders out there who are listening to this call will probably understand what I'm saying, but I think there's a lot of people who work in HR, but aren't in healthcare that in healthcare, we're always talking about evidence-based, evidence-based. Are, you know, is it, well, that snake oil looks good. Let's just give it a try. <laughs> no, we can't do that. We've got right. to be evidence-based. And so, you know, my training, my constant thought process is with this well, with, with these wellness initiatives, are we taking an evidence-based approach? And I, to, so to your point, when we can bring in our expertise, you know, let's just call it in the psych world, we're bringing that evidence-based as opposed to, well, my gut says, or, well, this worked with my neighbor, so I'm going to, why not try it? 
so you're right. We, I think we do bring in, I think, a, a level of advantage with that kind of background and training. Yeah. And it, it makes it, you know, there's a lot of options, a lot of creativity that you can pull from, but at the end of the day, what's actually going to make the difference. And then being in your position, you know, over that many employees, but also, I mean, the elephant in the room here is the health system and the, you know, your clients or employees or staff have dealt with quite a lot in the past year. So I'm really curious how y- y'all have managed through that. <laughs> well, I, I, I can, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to not use the past tense and I'm going to say that we're still managing it. I mean, yeah, cause you know, I, mean, I think we all know we're, we're not, we're not over yet. And I know that's not what you were implying, but I think some of it, so many of us have been saying, Ooh, 2020. Okay. Let, let's reflect on that. What can we learn from as we try to hopefully see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel for 2021? You know, I, I, I could go through a list of initiatives and, and, and things that we certainly did do to try our best to um, be in the moment. Because I think what 2020 required more than anything else was adaptability. You know, I think so many of us lean on, uh, again, I'm going to stereotype in the HR world. I think so often we lean on policies and procedures. This, this is the boundaries with when, with, 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 within we can work, but suddenly what was acceptable, what the boundaries was, what the policy was yesterday became very different the next day and the day after that. And so I really think that there was nothing that was more asked of from a nurse or from anyone who works in healthcare, and again, I'm generalizing because that's my world, that was asked is is adaptability of realizing, all right, what are we going to hear on the news tomorrow that's going to throw another monkey wrench into our life? You know, so as leadership, what our organization was constantly asking is, not only how do we have to adapt to the world around us and how do we have to adapt to our customer base, which was patients, but more importantly, how do we adapt to meeting the needs of our healthcare workers who are putting their lives on the line, who are sitting there saying, okay, I'm willing to come into work and try to treat and deal with these COVID patients, but now I'm scared to go home because I don't want to bring something home. Do I, right. do I bring in an extra change of clothes? Do you have a shower for me? Or can you put me up in housing because I don't want to go home for the next week while I'm working? Transportation, getting in a car, trying to find food. I mean, we all probably can remember when it was difficult to find toilet paper and the basics. And so one of the things that we did is we opened up this little store, if you will, that's probably not the right word because we didn't sell anything, but basically (laughs) these were items that was hard to find and we made them available to our employees because something as simple as not having to go to the grocery store after working a 12-hour shift with COVID patients, knowing that they could have basic food they could just quickly bring home to their family or again like i said the basics of toilet paper or hand sanitizer those were the, those were the simple things but honestly I, i'm going to tell you andrew every it felt like almost every day we were asking ourselves okay how can we adapt because our most valuable asset were our healthcare providers 
I think that's a great example of how you really have to know your workforce and be attuned to the needs of the moment. I mean, just like you were saying, no, there's no promise of extra PTO or, you know, whatever might work in a normal everyday kind of thing. Like, oh, we're going to have birthday cake break for so-and-so. Like, who cares? I, I don't have toilet paper at my house. <laughs> so you set up right, a store. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly. Amazing. No, you're, you're spot on. Those typical coffee, you know, those typical $5 coffee recognition cards, you know, that you you give to employees, oh my God, was not working. And so we had to reinvent. And the thing is, we had to reinvent quickly because we saw people emotionally, mentally, and physically dwindling and just saying, I I, I don't think I can come in and do another shift. So, so right. yeah, it was, again, I'll, I'll just keep using that word adaptability. I think 2020, for those who were able to thrive, I'm going to clarify, for those that were able to thrive, I think they they were able to find the, the the strength in adaptability. I, I was listening to a song yesterday. Of course, now I can't remember the title of it. But the two words that, that kind of kept jumping out was, you know, are you bitter or are you better because of this situation? And I, and, and I just kept thinking like, yes, there are people who are bitter about 2020 and there are people who are better because of 2020. And I think maybe one of the distinguishing factors is those who were able to adapt. That's a great point. It's not just introverts versus extroverts. There are a lot of other factors. And when you're dealing with the level of burnout that your industry and workforce saw, it's unlike most other businesses. Although, you know, a lot of people have burnout because the emotional toll and just, you know, the force and the energy out in the world and then having to act like I am not working from my kitchen table while my two kids and dog and mother-in-law is in the other room and everything's fine. Look away, look away. It's not fine. And so what I'm curious what you all were able to do from like a holistic wellness perspective, or at least try to try and um, not trivialize because it is important, but also you have to come up with something that's worth the time and is meaningful enough for people to take a break when they're in the throes of you know, a, a workforce like yours. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're asking a great question. And I will tell you, I'm going to say kind of in the June-ish of 2020, we, we you know, and it may have been May, I, I don't exactly remember when, but we wanted to do kind of this quick pulse check-in of, you know, how are you doing, but also how do you feel we're doing in responding to your situation? You know, so, you know, let's say the pandemic started in March, you know, so there had been a few months. We we certainly didn't feel like there was light at the end of the tunnel at this point, but we wanted to do a check-in. And 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 to our surprise, when we did this needs assessment, if you want to call it that, that's sometimes a common phrase. What's the needs assessment or what's your engagement level or your satisfaction level? You, you know, use whatever word you want. One of the things that we were very conscious of is when some when someone's stressed and i invite everyone who's listening right now to you know come up with a time when you were stressed in your life and do you were you making the best decisions i mean we all know we're told when you're angry don't respond to an email <laughs> you know you usually are going to regret that when we're stressed cognitively emotionally we're not at our best and so what i would always invite you know the listeners to consider is when they're going to do a needs assessment if you're reaching out to a during a time when things are stressful don't say, hey, what do you need? Because guess what? We sometimes don't know what we need. We just know we're not in a good place. And so we were very conscious that when we did this survey, we listed a whole bunch of variety. And I'm talking like 
A through J or A through M. I don't know how many, you know, this huge list of different, just crazy ideas. What would you like? You know, here's what we've done. And please rank or tell us what we've done right so far or what we haven't done right so far. But also, what would you like to, what would you like us to do more of or differently going forward? And it was a real surprise because although you heard majority of the time people were saying, I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I can't do this. This is hard. I mean, fortunately for us, one of the things that we did not hear a lot of was financial woes. And that was probably because of two reasons. One, we're one of the few hospitals in the country that did not lay off a single person and we didn't have to close the door. So we were very blessed. But also what we did is every leader at this organization took a 10% took 10% of their salary and put it into what we called a healthcare heroes fund. Oh, wow. over, way over a million dollars got put into an account that was made available to employees who were financially struggling in whatever way. Thank you for listening to the HR Scoop podcast. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, or directly at webmdhealthservices.com slash podcasts.